Here we go again. Hello. Our most reoccurring guest. Can't get rid of me. <laughs> like a pestilence and a plague. Oh. Episode number 12. And the reason we have him back over and over again is because we love him so much. His, and I'm cheap. In, <laughs> especially his intellectual banter blows away anything you could watch on comedy, on TV, or YouTube. It is so much yeah, fun. Yeah, don't make it difficult for me. <laughs> it's so much fun to sit with David, even on the drive from the train station. Mm. The, the choice of conversation. Oh, we're lucky to survive that, actually, because uh, Sean had an issue with reflexes. Yeah. Um, oh. A rather lightweight bottle of uh, spring water fell on his knee and we almost died. <laughs> Um, it's good to have reflexes. I remember <laughs> back in my 40s I had some. Um, but I think uh, we have to be careful there. But we made it in, despite the petrol shortage. There was a bottle of water near the gearbox that it was in the thing, but it wasn't Yeah, I just told properly. the story, really. They're <laughs> <laughs> wondering what, what the logistics were. Oh, yeah. And it collapsed onto my knee and triggered a reflex action. <laughs> it woke us up. Well, that's got, it's got good... Well, the thing came is... came back into control I, quite I, good. That was at the station uh, <laughs> here in uh, southwest Shropshire. Um, but uh, I tried to get here, you know, Sean. I, I tried to siphon petrol, the dregs from one <laughs> before, old Ford Fiesta. Before, before you start, let me finish the introduction. Yeah. David has been on... 12 times, including today. He's the author of two books. Unforgiving Destiny and another one. And, and another one. <laughs> and his breathtaking escape story from Thai prison death row, first Westerner ever to do so, stars were fully lined. If you go back over the 12 episodes, I think that was episode... Three, three or four or something. The like link that. is in the description box for all of the David McMillan episodes. You could have an absolute blockbuster weekend just watching all 12. Way better than anything you'd get on Netflix. But particularly episode three, The Escape. Mm. My heart was going like crazy. I was wondering whether it was going to get out, and I was just watching it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I did something for that. Uh, Yeah. Please subscribe to to David's channel. The link for his channel is also in the description box. And he's recently been on Decker Heggie's channel, so please support Decker as well. Yes, he he needs all the help he can get. And (laughs) don't worry about that scowl. That's him being friendly. I tell you, I was quite happy that it was on Skype, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, he is a good guy. I'm oh, sorry, I interrupted your story about your siphoning your neighbor's oh, petrol. I was just going to say, for those who don't know it, I was a smuggler for 40 years and uh, retired for quite some now, So because the Berlin Wall came down and there's no money in it. So I'm reformed. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah? Co-host introduction, oh. Jen is back with us. Jen runs Hello, Jen. Boomer Hello. and Jen Organic <laughs> Cotton Clothing Company. Link also is in the description box. If you want to follow her on Instagram, that's down there. And at the end of this video, stay tuned. There will be a trailer showing Jen's clothing. And we've also got a little gift for David at the end as well. I can't wait for that. And I like <laughs> my cotton organic. You know, that synthetic cotton. Wow, rash. I felt like I had a nappy rash there. <laughs> but we can't know. I um, actually was kind of revisiting uh, Klong Prem in a way. Um, I did an interview that you'll never see uh, for Lad Bible, but um, they, they were really you know, interested in, in taking it in and, and didn't say a word, even though it was meant to be an interview. 
and then sort of hinted at, well, we can't use any of that. You just don't seem like somebody who'd be climbing over walls and and running around smuggling A-class drugs all over the world. That's the entertainment business. It's rough. But one thing that did strike me, I saw a photograph of the prison in Bangkok. And I think, and this was, I don't need, there was no Google Earth back then. So this was 1996. And I'd asked my friends to kind of take a walk around to let me know how big it was or where things were. And that was hopeless. It was just huge. And I can see why. Um, this shot was taken from an aeroplane at an oblique angle. And you could see, no wonder that it can be seen from space. There are 10 sub-prisons within it. Um, and the total population was not 8,500 or something that I knew of. But when you take into the other prisons within it, it's 22,000 people. Okay. That includes the women's prison, uh, Bangkok Special Roman Prison, and all of that. And I think, well, I still would have done it. I had to do it. It was two weeks away from death sentence, and they said they were looking for a likely Westerner to make an example of. It doesn't look like a guy that would be up for a death sentence. <laughs> no, definitely it? not. It's too slow. They take forever to get around to it. It's like you know being courted by extremely... Nervous paramour or something. You'd never get to the crunch of it. It would be five or six years on death row. Mm. And my uh, Alex, the Italian mafia friend who was there, uh, he was chained to the wall at night, uh, had to pay uh, about uh, $25 just to take a shower, which is not really a shower. It's standing there with a bucket of water, a birdbath they used to call it. (laughs) Um, chained to the max, those welded on chains I told you about, you know, the ones that, uh, they put a little bit of cloth or something around your leg and then weld them on. I naively said to somebody once, well, how do they get those off? Uh, you're on death row, huh? And there's a, in the execution chamber, there's a machete hanging on the wall. That's how they come off. <clears throat> yeah, apparently they're, they're quite valuable, the, the metal in that. So the ankles just get, you know, the experts can do it in one. You said you were two weeks away from a death sentence. Mm. How does that affect the brain? Focus is the mind, as somebody once said. Um, There I'd had um, 22 different escape plans. Um, They all involved other people. And that was why they were were never going to happen. If um, the locals had been involved, the story would have got out, for, absolutely for sure. Even amongst the Westerners, um, we're always talking about escapes. That's what people do in prison. I'm sure probably, Sean, in Arizona, people Did were talking. Did you come up with a plan? You fantasize about it. When I was facing 200 years, I fantasized about it. In Max Security as well. They did dig a hole in the wall, but then drugs got passed through it and it got busted. (laughs) Well, there you are. A hole in the prison wall has got so many uh, useful things. (laughs) By the way, that uh, uh, riot in Guayaquil, the one that Peter Tritton was talking about, that was the first riot. There's been another one uh, over the last few days. And that a hole in the wall was dug by one set of uh, (coughs) Ecuadorian gangsters not to escape, but to get to the other guys. I mean, it's all internal politics there. And yeah. so they got through, 
grenades were used. I mean, that's quite inventive, isn't it? I mean, ordering pineapples on the canteen, wow. <laughs> David is referring to Posh Pete, who went viral, I think it was on Vice, mm. or Lad Bible, or one of them. And we've done three episodes with Posh Pete now. I'll put them in the link be- below the description box. And in the third episode, Posh Pete... He hates that name, by the way. extradited, does he? Does he? <laughs> Pete is extradited back to the UK, Wandsworth, where David Macmillan comes into the story. And if you've not seen part three with Pete, David is present, and they talk about how they met in Wandsworth. But that podcast did actually start out with Pete showing us some footage we could not show on YouTube because it is so graphic. And he's explaining what's happened... And during this riot, people's body parts are getting cut out and put on display. So I've got it in the background of a couple of mine. The <laughs> guy's got his <laughs> thing beating in his hand, etc. Uh, freshly just removed. And it, these are people that Pete Still was actually after in. a few minutes. Away. Really? Pete was actually in prison with some of these people who had just been massacred. Mm. He lost uh, quite a few friends there, and as 116 have died in this latest one, uh, with multiple no. decapitations. I think cutting the head off is a kind of a traditional symbolic thing. And we, uh, Peter and I were kind of thinking, okay, this is Ecuador, there's kind of Aztec sort of background going on there. And they had ritual sacrifices, didn't they, to the gods back yes. in the day? And that involved building a tower so the blood could fall down and, you know, rejuvenate the crops and the land. <laughs> Controlling the weather was tough in those days. <laughs> no rain dancing for these people. <laughs> that might have been okay with the softs and the people up north. Um, so uh, you can kind of see this ritual slaughter thing having a lot of... Um, Organs involved with it. I don't know. People have always historically have been fascinated with them, haven't they? They used to read the uh, the entrails of a liver to um, ordain the future. Um, don't think you'd look at my past with my liver. I think, but uh, not much about the future. It all looks grim. Help. Uh, yeah. So anyway, back to Bangkok. Yeah. Um, so you were two weeks away from being executed in Bangkok. Mm. You said it gave you focus on escape plans. It did. All the ones that involve kind of silly things like um, we were going to sneak out dressed as um, United Nations medical evacuee people. (laughs) Um, uh, It it sounds utterly insane. One of us would be on a stretcher. That was uh, Swiss Theo. He was going to be on a stretcher. And... uh, yeah, he was stronger than I. He could have taken the end of the street. Anyway, um, the big Viking was going to be carrying the other end. We had the helmets, the UN uniforms. Yeah, open the doors, emergency. And because we're all foreign and you'd only have to say the word United Nations, there'd be a, you know, visible Mexican wave throughout the staff there. What? When? Here? Now? <laughs> they see everything? Because they used to take elaborate precautions when you know, visitors came from outside. They'd issue uniforms, you know, or, or the you know, instead of the rags they were wearing, or the beggars would be taken off the streets. You know, the <laughs> people betting on um, the worm extraction process for those with elephantiasis. Have you ever seen that? No. A swollen leg, riddled with worms. The only thing uh, 
to entertain the poor slobbers, got it, is to try and get these worms out from inside. So the trick is to get a pencil. And when one kind of looks around, <laughs> lure it out on the promise of something interesting, uh, yeah. flip a magazine in front of it. <laughs> Not town and country, no. <laughs> um, and then roll the worm around. What they bet on is how much worm would it get out before it snapped. And I must admit, I threw down a few baht on that one myself. This, my worm just snapped at three inches. It oh, Christ. Mm. You have to get so much out to prevent the... The remaining section. Yeah, well, you know what worms back. are like. They um, just split, don't they? Yeah, well, stay alive. Back yeah. 20. Oh, don't worry about that. We'll regrow. You know? oh. um, so they'd sweep all of that off, and then the visitors would come, and they'd put on some lavish food and all that. And How does that condition come about in the first place? What? Elephantiasis? Yes. It's a, um, um, an infection, um, often from just drinking water full of from worms. The food. Oh, drinking the yeah, worms in the water. Yeah. Um, and it uncooked pork. Have you ever tried that with a piece of uh, pork steak? Not that I'd eat one. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Get a raw one and, and put it on a pan and slowly heat it up. You see all the worms get out. Uh, From the local butchers? Yeah, just any that we eat. But we, that's why they say, <laughs> please cook a lot. <laughs> Chara beyond recognition. Pork again. Mm. Oh. There's YouTube videos out there for the sick minded who want to watch that. <laughs> anyway, um, focused indeed. So all the crappy plans that were just fantasies were put aside. And I knew that, um, and I'd always known, even over the couple of years, that in the end, I'd have to go out old style. Cut bars, go to wall, get over wall. <clears throat> Sounds good, but <clears throat> when you've got um, a fairly unknown distance to the wall, uh, there's seven walls you know within of sub-prisons to scale. They don't trust the foreigners, so you're three floors up. Mm. Uh, below you is some crumbling masonry that if you even touch it, It'll shatter down onto passing a cell full of these prison trustees who have their own uniform and batten and sell the drugs one day, arrest people for it the next, conduct the punishments. You know, when, uh, when somebody's being beaten there and they expose their vertebrae and the guard drops his heavy truncheon between, uh, well, uh, as he rises in agony, he's supposed to say between the prisoner, between each blow, look up and say, thank you, sir, for correcting me. I'd find it hard to deliver that line with all sincerity, I must say. <sighs> so, um, and and it hadn't gone well for the very few who tried. Uh, some from a dormitory had, they'd been caught, they all lied to each other, that's the thing. One said he had a cell phone, another said he had family waiting outside, and another one had hidden a rope somewhere. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Somewhere <laughs> hidden, yeah. Uh, all fabrications uh, actually managed to get out through the pup tents inside the dormitories for uh, private liaisons between the boys, very sexually flexible, these kids. Uh, a towel would be tied to the um, railing of the dormitory uh, mesh and then uh, pinned to the wood so it would form a little tent. So nobody, you know, it was polite not to inquire too much what was going on in there, even though the lights were on 
So they got out that way, all came to nothing, didn't know where they were, uh, circled back, woke up the sleeping guard. And now these guards, we could do a whole program on bribery, the subtleties of it, why it's not really bribery, why they're feeling they're getting rewarded for helping you, for being nice, that you're lucky, he wants to be lucky. It's a whole show. Now, as much as they might take money for doing things, to escape, to lose them their job, to insult, like, you want to leave here? You want to break the system? This is, this is what we are. This is our city. This is Klong Prem. You, you, you know, pooing in your own house and getting me in trouble. He was outraged. Yeah. So they were all thrown in the, the soy, which is the punishment area, which is a coat locker. And not a full one, not for a long coat, for a half jacket, I think. Uh, a letterbox slit to see out of, not that you could see very much. Mm. Um, a bottle of water every day and a paint tin, which was your bathroom. But you weren't worried about the bowl of rice that you couldn't eat because you'd have no teeth because every day they'd be taking you out and whacking you with clubs. Uh, and you would hear the levels of pain mm. escalating to a wild, high-pitched squeal, animal in nature. But worse than that, when there was just silence and consciousness, but still the sound of wood hitting flesh, mm. like a baseball bat on a carcass in a slaughter yard. So to be caught doing that uh, was not good. And even my last friend backed out at the end. So um, looking at this picture that had been taken if i'd um if there had been googlers maybe that wouldn't have put me off but um <laughs> just navigating the place um as you say look at what episode three uh, of uh, those interviews you, you'll get the story but in the end or oh, i had my two bamboo ladders joined together i would go to one wall look over it and try and get some idea of what looked promising but because the outer wall had uh, was three times as high, uh, even though there's a huge ladder in the end, um, and it had electricity running across the top, an inside moat called Marsbar Creek because it was a sewer, and an outside one really wide. It's, um, I don't know, 35, 40 feet across, and goes straight into officers' housing. So th that would have been... Uh, very off-putting, really. What tools or anything, items, did you have on you to... Well, as I say, because underneath I knew it was always going to come to this, I'd been like a magpie collecting anything that looked useful, and every single thing was, um, except for the things that looked like they might be, like a pair of pincer pliers. Original plan was to start... Um, the inner inside walls, internal ones, had barbed wire, but they were held by little U-bolts over the top. I thought I could get to the top of that, take the U-bolts out. No, no, no. At night, everything's different. All your timing's useless. I might have walked the jail from end to end, uh, the parts that I could walk. There's no routine. And timed it out. But it's the sound. When During the day, everything's noisy, covering your tracks. At night, you know, you've got sleeping guard there, you've got tower here. You've got somebody, you can hear a gate opening and closing, uh, shutting, so you've got to stop for that. Wait, check it out. 
No, it, it took forever. It didn't even really get through the bars. It got one and a half cut, and the Viking had to hold one up uh, while I squeezed through it. And then I went out on my bookshelf and then dropped down to the ground on a piece of rope from the army boot factory. It was a webbing they used. Have you got organic webbing in your... <laughs> no, I don't know. Unfortunately, not <laughs> not yet. <laughs> it probably would have been a better choice because yes. I got severely burnt from my hands. It took off layers of skin with that nylon. Synthetic, see? If it had been organic... No issue at all. Fine. No. <laughs> no, no stigmata <laughs> at all, I would have. Um, and uh, I only now, having seen that picture, know where I had been... Um, and looking at the route I took, it was forwards and backwards, and, and that's why it was dawn by the time I, I got there. Mm. Only passing the AIDS block gave me um, a section, a sense of where I was, because I knew that one from uh, the church meetings, so-called church meetings every Sunday. I'll a- never forget that moment you said you looked at that some of the AIDS uh, patients saw you, mm. and you knew that they were so weak, they were about to die, they couldn't tell anyone. No, if it'd been, no? if I, if I'd passed any ties, oh. they, they have a whistle. Every cell has a chief scumbag. <laughs> and one of his duties is to, um, blow his little heartfelt lungs out if he sees anybody up to no good and to see a foreigner, a farang, mm. outside. He couldn't even say the words. He'd be like a baby backing up when it wants to cry and just the outrage is so strong at not getting his Ruskin pharynx that he hasn't got the breath for it. But nonetheless, he would find the strength to blow his whistle. And But these, at the AIDS ward, I smelt at first. The odor of necrotic, rotting flesh was unique there because it's got a kind of sickly sweetness to it. Um, and I even looked in. I thought it was empty. It was so dark. But they, they had the courtesy to turn off the lights for them. <laughs> That's true. They didn't want to see the, the rows and rows of dying. And these gray, waxy, faces with matching eyes just staring at the moonlight without the strength to cry out looked at me like maybe they thought i was a ghost maybe they thought they died and that was probably sadly enough <laughs> what you the gatekeeper of hell was yeah. before them i might have looked that way because i climbed up under a couple of um ran into some mesh and had to go under a kind of muddy thing that was too I just didn't have time to climb things anymore, Sean. I just had to whack this damn long ladder on stuff. Hadn't you gone through some sewage as well? Um, yeah. The world, Mars Bar Creek I managed to keep out of, not <laughs> straight into it. but um, Mars Bar Creek? Well, because it had little floating turds in it. Um, and <laughs> around the entire prison. So I mean, everything has a local um, geographical name to it. So. Oh, wow. Um, there's some system now in the world where three words identify exactly where you are. Is there? Yeah. It's called, you can look it up. Just three words, it will give within a square meter every place on earth. So instead of oh, your, your last bit of battery on the phone, yeah. instead of calling out, well, I'm on a place that looks like, you know, uh, what was that? What would you say about here right now? Well, we'd have to look it up. Okay. Oh, no, the words aren't. That'd be, that'd be nice. If they were kind of poetically matched, yeah. like suffocation, anxiety, and claustrophobia. For I'd agree. Yeah. Um, 
No, they silly words like uh, water brains fish or something like that, and that will identify my place. Um, not just my place; that'll be my living room or the, you know, the loo or something. <laughs> Must look that one up. <laughs> Put it on the wall. Um, so you dodged Mars Bar Creek, yeah, uh, and with difficulty um, got the ladder of it. I think I even offered a prize for anybody who could figure out if you've got. Masbar Creek, you can't go across it because it's got tall barbed wire. It's full of things. Well, never mind, you'd swim through anything if you had to. Mm. But it will catch my ladder. It's too long. It's too heavy. It weighs more than I do, this ladder. Uh, how do you get it across? You can get a bit of it across. You can get yourself across. But you can't lift the thing to carry it over. What was that old thing, that mathematical thing that you've got a, uh, a duck that's going to eat the corn and, uh, and some other thing? You, you've got to get them across the river, but a boat will only take two people, so you have to do it in trips. It's an old Simpsons thing. There used to be mathematicians writing that show, you know. They yeah, predict the world, don't they? Distracting here. Did you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, when you got through that, the Viking held a bar back and you got through yeah. that hole, did you know? everything you were going to be confronted with until you had your ultimate freedom. Did you know the lay of the land in advance so you could adjust mentally? Or was it a case of, I'm just going to take these tools and I'm just going to get through whatever I come across? I'd walked around uh, the place and I had um, everything I thought, uh, not that I would need, but everything that could be with the limits of its usefulness. A lot of rope is a good thing to have. Uh, you're taking notes, those who ever fear they might be confined by some mad granny and have to get <laughs> out of there before she amputates your legs. Um, I didn't want to say jail. Could might not be. Other situations come up. Um, and one of them was even an S-hook I'd found around, the kind of thing you put a ladle on a yeah. kitchen rack. And that was essential. I had to tie that with – I had gaffer tape, uh, cable ties – and they came in a big care package along with the hacksaws that cut the bars. Um, and, and that was a whole operation getting that. Uh, I had to send, say to my friend Michael, he went to Fortnum and Mason. He got a huge amount of distracting um, confectionery, um, lux, tongues and aspicula, those sort of rare things in a tin they sell there. But also a couple of cartons of cigarettes to hand around to the guards checking it. But what would you put? Ah, you're new to the show. You're not as yes. sick and twisted as uh, <laughs> here, Sean. You've got a parcel. Right. You're, it's going to go through an inspection. Inside is a religious scroll, the dowel rods of which are a bit heavier than they should be because they've got hacksaw blades right. concealed within. So you're allowed clothing, you're allowed food, pretty much uh, reading material, stationery. What would you put in there to distract the guard? Well, you mentioned bribing with cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, all right, I'll give you a couple of clues here. Conservative mm. country, um, the you know, the things you were allowed to read. You know, Porno. Right. And what kind? <laughs> Rizelle. Playboy. <laughs> okay. No, I, I went further with Michael. I said, go forth and find most rank, over the top, but glossy and expensive pornography you can lay your hands on. So the guard, I mean, they, they used to confiscate um, titty magazines. So yeah. when this, like, 
Well, number 72 <laughs> is coming through. Timestamp, timestamp. No, it's just a name. It <laughs> doesn't mean anything. Um, it was just too much for um, the guard. He was. My name was Daniel in there. He, I mean, he, was, he had the cigarette. No, Daniel, no, but very carefully putting them under his chair and dusting them off, making sure they had to be inspected later for years. So I can't mention the magazine about who. Oh, okay. Time um, stamp. <laughs> this is not a joke. Um, all right. Um, so uh, that was just to get those things. And, and another tool was, um, um, a laser pen I nicked from a, a visiting um, American diplomat, or well, a diplomat, a charge d'affaires at one of the embassies, a little laser pointer, red. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Because there was, and I, I, I won't labor on this because it's old news, but this is the kind of thing you have to think ahead of. Okay, you're out there running around, Listening to Sean's gurgling stuff. Think of a banana, don't I? You don't have and any, do we? With me. Um, you know that most of the guards are asleep, but you huh. can see one at a distance because you'll hear the gate, so you just stand back from that one. Or you can round a blind corner and run into one, smack, you know, within feet. And that's not so, that's not the end of the world because you can grab him then. Take his feet out from under him, and that's what the gaffer tape and cable ties were for. Yep. Truss him up like a Christmas turkey. <laughs> Say, you can breathe okay? Good. Come morning, you'll feel better for this. Uh, and then go on to do what you have to do. <laughs> Nobody will notice. They, they all play cards down the front. They're all drunk as skunks. So, you know, <laughs> you know. What happened to Pornvid? Oh, he's losing, wasn't he? <laughs> um, <laughs> the... Uh, a friend of mine used to translate for me before I knew enough Thai. And so when, when, when the trustees are telling you first night reception, and there'll be no ping in my cell, you know, and as for number twos, don't even think about it. Um, he'd do it as sort of, um, a bit of a South Yorkshire accent. So I, I, I can't help but now think of these Thai trustees with these South Yorkshire accents. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, but what do you do, Jen, if, right. um, you come around a corner and there's one 15, 20 feet. You see him, he sees you. He's got a radio. You'd have to attack. You couldn't, you couldn't run. Uh, attack, he's got a gun. Run. He, <laughs> he might have a gun. He might not. I mean, often it's not they wouldn't. But, you know, you know was, some of them were nutters. They used to be gun freaks. They, 15 feet, he sees you, you see him in the dark. Or 25 so feet. This is the stay quiet and still, couldn't you? Uh, Disappear into like, the shadows. Talk your way out of it? Yes. No, you need a device. A laser pattern, obviously. Uh, but what I'd done with it was um, I'd taken a... Um, organic shampoo bottle. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> but it had a rounded top. And um, got some balsa wood in and made a phony gun. <laughs> and the shampoo bottle was the silencer on it. And the laser pointer was the laser scope on it. And here's the thing. If it's in the middle of the night, you've never seen a prisoner out at night. You know, when I first got out through the bars, I looked up at the stars and I hadn't seen them for two years. 
hadn't seen the night sky. It was kind of really distracting. Um, and I looked back at my cellmates and it was like I never knew them. That was all the past. I was a creature of the night glued to the side of a wall. So if you're a guard and this thing that shouldn't be there is suddenly in front of you, plus he's a farang, white trash might do anything to you, and you've got a laser light pointed to your chest, and what's clearly got a silence on it, everybody knows what they look like, you heard a click, you know, it was a paper clip, but it wouldn't have made a difference. And you understand clearly, get on your knees. Um, whatever you might have, I think with that laser pin on your chest, you're not going to do anything. No. So I can close the 15 feet, truss him up like a turkey, or let's say a duck this time, <laughs> and repeat ourselves. Um, and that was it. So that kind of thinking was involved. You know, what if this happens? Did that happen? No, there was one stirred. He got up, scratched his, he scratched his belly, went for a pee, splashed water on himself, but went back. I made sure the uh, uh, bottles of Klong, the whiskey, uh, normally given out on a Friday night, uh, went out on this Tuesday night. <laughs> so that was the end of that lot. <laughs> Mostly, I think there was there was only one I was concerned about, and he wasn't on, and that meant going. So. Um, those were really the only tools and the ability to get over all these walls without having to go over the gates. My, Michael, my old business partner and friend for many years from Australia, who was a Commonwealth pole vaulting champion, told me how to carry very long things because those long poles they used to carry, um, they were aluminium and then when they became fiberglass, they used to wobble a bit. And he said, if you're carrying something that's flopping about, that's quite heavy, carry it to the center point and lope, don't run. So I was loping across the fields with this thing bouncing and, and getting into the, the rhythm like the wobbly bridge over London. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, as I say, it was only, it was virtually dawn by the time I propped that up on the, the final outer wall. And instead of swimming the, the big, um, moat, the long one. The idea was to put my clothes in a plastic bag, tie it up, swim over, dry myself off, change. But I thought, there's no time for this. I, it's starting to be that time. You know, there's this kind of silence before dawn where you can start to see things and splashing of water would be, it was so obviously going to be just the wrong thing to do. Um, and I only had one last resort backup implement that uh, that I grabbed just because there was one in this kind of war game scenario that you run through every possibility. Um, there's only one thing left, and that was what if they're looking at you from the towers? Um, and that was where, what was, it was from a factory that was nominally my actual place of employment. I think I paid somebody to work there. I never met him personally. I believe he was a very good worker. <laughs> never got beaten. They used to beat the laziest <laughs> worker of the day at the end of the shift. <laughs> I mean, there's always going to be somebody, isn't it? Yeah, poor bastards. Um, it was a pop-up umbrella. And I put that, I used the last of my water, not to drink, but to clean the mud off myself, put on my long khaki pants which matched the guards' ones, and prisoners were not allowed long pants. Um, 
and some leisurely wore flip-flops, so um, shoes. Put the umbrella down, and the gods must have been favoring me that evening, Sean. As I told you, a little light rain came over. I learned years later that it wasn't a light rain. It was the spittle of the gods' laughter <laughs> as they were planning worse things for me in years to come. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked oh. up from that umbrella and couldn't, you know, you can't help yourself. I just had a little look in the guard tower and there was one kind of half-frowning, but, you know, what, what's somebody walking in down the side that way for? But it's so unthinkable that there would be a prisoner wandering around out there. And the guards used to sneak in when they were late, sometimes come through. This moat had, I think, two narrow crossings, one right at the back and, and the front one, of course. Um, and I've always figured, too, this, the key thing to that was I've never heard of an escape where the prisoners took the trouble to think of rainwear in case there should be light. Uh, Frank, there's light showers today of our escape. Uh, have you got your Burberry? <laughs> um, that's not sort of prisoner talk in the average jail. So um, I think whatever it was, it was harmless, an umbrella. And even my own personal guard, the one that had my ATM cards, if you needed cash, they'd go to the bank for you for an honest 10%. Mm. He started talking 15 in the beginning, but you know where that's leading. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, um, internal racketeers used to charge 25 and he, I think, recognized me, not recognized me, but saw something familiar in the way I was walking. We we don't think about it, but we all watch each other's body language and movements, and that gets programmed in a bit. I think you could look out your window and see a cloaked figure walking in the night, and the walk might give it away. I don't mean if it was Igor out of Frankenstein loping along, scraping a leg, but but even you know, the the manner of it. And because I was a source of money to him, I suppose that was programmed in too. Uh, he was arriving in his new car. And um, he, he was smarter than your average idiot there, and I think he knew something. But I am... Um, got out of the front, went up onto the footbridge that covers the six-lane highway to the airport and looked back. Never looked back, they say, turned into <laughs> a pillar of salt. But, uh, you know, all I could think was there's thousands of you in there. Why are you staying? Mm. And and people had said, you know, that this is not going to work. Even my supporters had said, you know, we'll come and see you. Uh, you know, it's going to be a long time, but, you know, you'll live okay. <clears throat> Unfortunately, one of the supporters who was making other arrangements for a long stay was also the guy that had uh, <clears throat> arranged my passport uh, because I knew I had to get out within hours. Uh, and that's not really encouraging. I mean, think of you know, think of your friends and you've asked them, well, okay, one of the friends has to be mixed up with the Chinese triads, but we'll work that in somehow. They... <laughs> I've agreed to get you, um, take your old driving license or whatever is handy and take the photo from it, yeah. re-photograph it, put it in a passport, uh, and the passport has to have several things in going for it. Freshly stolen or lost within the last few weeks so that um, 
it's not got a um, a reissue that's caught up with the the world's immigration computers. Um, that that photo's got to be put in there, resealed in there. Oh, and they have to go to the airport and make sure that somebody on the take with immigration programs it in as a visiting tourist. The visa stamp has to go in there, the little slip of paper filled out with the visa, all of that. All of that's got to be done by a person who doesn't think you've got any chance of being there and then left behind the mirror of a toilet of an apartment that you've never been to but you have the key to. Mm. Uh, how much confidence have you got <laughs> that that will be there behind the mirror in the apartment that you don't know yeah not a lot <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody springs to my oh Mary she'll do that for me yeah. <laughs> she likes Chinese food <laughs> yeah I know that's the way I felt um, but when I, I I felt behind that mirror and struck something it was like gold yeah, it could have been an old sticker on the back, of the back of the <laughs> losing raffle ticket or something. You know. Um, and then pretty quickly opened the envelope, and there I saw my crumbling face, um, <clears throat> mostly due to the fact this thing had been rephotographed a couple of times to get it to size. So it was a little bit grainy for a passport photo. And when I did get on the plane, I had an hour to dislike that passport more and more. <laughs> you know? Stitching was wrong. Uh, you know, old hands could see that the plastic had been changed. I didn't like it. You know, the only person who disliked that passport more than I uh, was um, the immigration officer at Singapore when I landed, a country that would have sent me back in a in a, in a flash. <clears throat> so um, he uh, looked at me, looked at it, now, they don't like to make trouble. It's like Dubai. They might have hang them quick, hang them fast laws, but they won't go out of their way to arrest a Westerner unless they've got an overwhelming reason to it. So I saw him pass it towards the ultraviolet scanner. And that has to show um, the green um, background light and pattern of the British passports. And also um, three little pink crowns over the edge of the photograph. I just did a little show on uh, my channel about the new British passport. I should have brought it. We could chat about it. <laughs> anyway, it's very fancy. He slid that towards it, and he and I were both rewarded by three pink crowns <laughs> becoming visible. And I staggered out of uh, Singapore into the steamy tropical afternoon. Drew breath, took two taxis to drop the anything, and found a three-star hotel, best choice. Go to a one-star, everybody's trying to rob you. Five-star, full of security from big knobs. Don't want that either. No. Three-star, boring, near-suicidal commercial travelers. Went to went to at the gift shop, bought some uh, swimming shorts straight up to the top floor and dived in the pool. So it wasn't a moat, Sean, that I swam. It was the length of a swimming pool in Singapore <laughs> after 18 hours on the trot. Uh, and it was refreshing. And, and underwater all that way, lifted myself up, stood against the railing, looked over the Changi Hills and felt the fresh air of freedom blowing over me. 
and turned around, and then what? Sean knows. I dived right back in, <laughs> and not the swimming pool we're talking about. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that picture did remind I was very lucky on the night that um, it was such a... a in fact, I had kind of, um, for a generation that bothers to look up old newspaper clippings because it was 96. What was your and, first night's sleep like? Uh, poor, bad. Really? Uh, if you do something, you'll find where um, any mistake will cost you your life. Worse than your life. Not much life, nothing. You're dead. But um, years of suffering, that's a little more rattling. Mm. Um then you pump so much adrenaline into your system that you can't just switch off. Got a valve yeah. somewhere, you know, like a <laughs> adrenaline version of a colostomy bag. You <laughs> take it off and squeeze it out. You know. <laughs> Strange picture. <laughs> um, Do you sleep now, okay now? No, oh, with a little help from my friends, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah right um, I always get the dreams, though, of. Um, I'm in a prison of some kind. It just will not leave me alone. And no wonder I'm tired during the day because all the production money is spent on the design of the prisons. Every night something different. Sometimes the glass city. Sometimes uh, Alibaba's cave. Uh, sometimes people... I mean, last night's was all done in silks and um, the, the boss of this prison was on a kind of... Um, what was the Star Wars character, the big fat guy, Jetty the Hutt, Attila the Hutt, something the Hutt? Um, anyway. Jabba. 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 Yes. Yeah. That sort of size, but actually human, uh, sitting on all these cushions saying, well, we have a place for you in here. And I'm thinking, yeah, not, not once I can get out of here. So I exhaust myself all night in the dreams, plotting escapes. Um, including those ones, Twilight Zone ones, where you end up, I get out. Um, go someplace and think the city seems strange. Now I'll get used to it, adapt. And then somebody will come up to me, don't you know the whole city is a jail now? Oh. Did you ever feel safe uh, when you were escaping? No. Was there ever a moment? Well, after you... escape. Yeah. I don't think, um, you kind of get into a, um, I met somebody years ago who's, uh, Family was getting murdered a lot. <laughs> we just, just had to take a quick break there. I'd just mm. like to remind you guys that David's audiobook, narrated by himself, you all say you would just love to listen to him narrate the telephone book. He's got such a voice. That audiobook is now available on Amazon worldwide. Uh, you can listen is. to his voice for hours and hours and hours of content. Exactly. About 14 and a half hours, Sean. <laughs> and it is. by the time you get this, you will have seen him on Lad Bible. Because it's, it's, it's going out. It's gone out. Mm. It's out. And uh, by Christmas, you'll have Escape. It's been rewritten, especially to yeah, lead you to a place you want to go. Are both your audio books out? On both your books? No, um, I'm just recording Escape at the moment. In fact, I was thinking... The second one? Uh, it's actually the first book. Yeah. But it was written in such a weird way. You know, when you write the first book, yeah, it's all kind of, 
Well, should I make this, you know, in Nabokov or Marcel Proust or yeah. the Russians? Had all those faces. And uh, any decent editor will say, what the hell? <laughs> Look, just spit the story out in like your you're voice. reporting for uh, <laughs> a local newspaper. Yes. Don't forget names. We love names. <laughs> uh, I had to put an index in uh, one of them because it uh, had so many names in it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, and, and the rewritten Escape is um, a little more um, continuous. In the beginning, you know, that that escape thing was so weird in a way. I didn't know how to approach it. So I, I picked up the first kind of true crime books that I've ever seen, and I hated all of them. Right. People had found God. They were terribly sorry. I was sorry, all right. I was sorry I had to go through all of this. <laughs> <laughs> sorry I got chased for you know, 10 years by Australian police. Many regrets. Uh, or they, um, oh, they're victims. Mm. Now, Sandra Gregory, you remember her? So Sandra, Sandra Gregory, Thailand, uh, fellow arrest. public speaker, yeah. Mm. Okay, well, I went. up abroad, great story. Great story. Uh, see, that's that why you know, they say, turds, <laughs> Sean you know, gets a bit of slagging for getting tangled up in the business, which I did recommend again. Timestamp! <laughs> Three timestamps now. Oh, Sorry about that. Uh, Sean got a bit of flack for being tangled up in things that people somehow took offence to. and but, but I've always said, you know, a true friend, always want to help people, saying nice things about Sandra Gregory. I wouldn't say otherwise. Well, <laughs> Sandra Except- Gregory, I don't know if she still works for the same public speaking agency as me, but she did. So we all had dinner together. And um, I've been to her talks at the school. She's had a remarkable impact on the students. She's a very uh, quirky, bubbly person. And she says it how it is. And she's very fascinating to watch her speak. I th- Look, I thought she was quite good on Banged Up. Um, what was her story? Well, she was Rough with... God. She got. She was out you there. Want the truth or her yeah. story? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say her story. All right. She was out there and on the taxi, water taxi. Ben- it's Bangkok. Some of that yes. water got in her mouth. It wasn't worms. I think it was feces. So she gets this illness. Right. She hasn't got the flight money to get home. <coughs> so <coughs> couldn't work. You know. Decides to smuggle a little something, something. Uh, Work for okay. Bob Locke, Robert Locke. <laughs> yeah, and she was so honest that when she got stopped at the airport, she did, they were following this Robert Locke character. Yeah. And they turned to her, and she was so honest, they said to her, are you with him? And she said yes. Just yeah. Oh, not only that. What? That's how she got arrested. The police were, like, arresting him and taking him away, and she, they turned to her and they said, are you with him? And she yeah. said yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so the kid at the back of the schoolroom was... So then she gets up for the death penalty? Uh, Bob oh, was actually yes. on the aircraft at the time. Uh, are you with him extended the long reach of her pointing finger around two exit terminals down the finger into his very seat. He was dragged off the plane, actually. Mm. Um, but, uh, yes, uh, she she was so honest, she felt that no party would be complete without Bob. <laughs> so, But he was acquitted, I should say, and that yeah. was one of the very few acquittals I've ever seen in Thailand. 99% conviction rate, which is similar to Japan, they won't go to court without a confession. So you can imagine they're very persuasive with the air conditioning to ensure that they get uh, a confession. You know, cold cell is a tough thing. 
It's annoying. That's really irritating. And then you want to kill. Um, and the other guy that was in prison out there was Billy Moore, wasn't it, out of Liverpool? It was, but I, I, I missed him. Oh, by the way, I got in touch with uh, a guy called Justin Jackson. He's got a little um, Facebook clong prim memories of the 90s, you know. Now, it's not as bad as it sounds. Um, and he's got some memories. And he was there after I got out. Um, and you folks will know what nobody else does at the moment because I only heard it from him. After I left, now I was down at the airport waiting, you know, scrabbling to get onto this plane. I thought it would have been like the Chiang Mai escape where these Israelis had gone. Uh, they got them and smashed them to pieces, of course. But, um, uh, I needn't have worried because they were still looking for me, the guards within the prison. And as much as they all got collectively punished for my having left, they had their shower curtains taken away. Sounds trivial, but when your whole shower is a yeah. shower curtain, it's not. <laughs> um, and some people were split up, and the others in my cell room moved to different places. But Justin was there to see what was the comforting sight of 10 of the guards that I'd paid off you know, by one means or another, roaming around uh, building number six and elsewhere, you know, looking at the cut bars and thinking, well, he clearly got out, but he couldn't have left us. He, he's got an office full of food. <laughs> he's got this, he's got... And they, and Justin said, they were going around saying, Daniel, Daniel, <laughs> like looking for a lost puppy. Um, thinking that... <laughs> magnitude of my betrayal was not quite apparent at that stage. <laughs> um, and so really, though there was quite a bit of flack afterwards, um, it, they, everybody said from there uh, it was worth putting up with because at least somebody had got out of the place. And I think most prisoners would be like that, wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah even if, you know, they get locked down and, you know, half rations or they might be going too far, but get punished in some way. Um, knowing one of their one from their side is free because nobody thought that that would happen, <laughs> and I was one of the ones and didn't think it'd happen. And but I was reasonably confident that once I got my hands on my second passport, uh, that that I'd be okay. You know. Um, so many what, over the two years, every con artist and bit of Western driftwood that yeah. came into the prison had that were on some shitty little sentence, short term thing, you know, a couple of grams or whatever. Uh, but the ones who actually speak um, would get me in some way. I mean, the prime was Dean Reed, who, when I was at my most suicidal which was after arrest, and you can't kill yourself easily in there. No, I mean, you need some privacy for suicide. You, know? you can hardly say to somebody, oh, don't come in, I'm killing myself, I'll be done in five minutes. Need a hand? No, it's all right. <laughs> what methods did you contemplate? Um, well, there, there wasn't simply anything. Um, bleeding to death takes forever, um, and half the time you just go to a sort of comatose shock. Um, 
on on another occasion when I was facing torture, I was trying to get the blade out of my pencil sharpener, but the bugger wouldn't come out. Uh, and I sort of came good the next day over that one. But there was this con man who saved me from this feeling of wanting to escape, yet only to go to a tall hotel, the Dusitani I'd chosen, to go onto the rooftop and sling myself off it. Uh, I'd been fighting, I don't know, what was it, 20 years? Constant battle with the authorities. And I'd taken so many precautions uh, with this trip to Thailand. Um the police were following me, and when they um, logged the movements of my telephone, they saw it was still in Melbourne, Australia. They tapped it, and they heard me call somebody in Melbourne, have a conversation with the guy, and then hang up. So when the Americans said, no, he's here. He's staying at the Oriental. They didn't believe it. They said, no, we've got him down in Melbourne. We can't see him, but we've got the phone. You know, he doesn't know a lot of that. Um... um how would you do that, by the way? How would you make that particular trick? I got I'm baffled. Um, you give your cell phone to a friend. Yes. Yeah. You record in the studio, just like here, or over the phone, the whole conversation. He or she tapes it. Yeah. While you're away, it goes to a pay phone, rings your phone, answers your phone, plays the tape. Okay. Conversation between you two. Uh, yeah, I'll be over later, especially throw in something like that. You know, usual place. That'll set them busy. <laughs> Cost them money. That's my policy. You know, mm. bankrupt them. <laughs> I used to leave um, uh, addresses from uh, Las Vegas lying around uh, and stuff like that. So, um, no, they uh, uh, they weren't at the airport then. But as I was saying, there were there were so many um, con men like this Bostonian and that unique Boston accent. Um, He'd even got to my friends um, and asked them for fifty thousand dollars to do something or other, um, and got it. Um, but you know, I, I I'm written very forgiving of, of of con artists because you get entertainment. That's number one. <laughs> number two, you wouldn't hang around because you know perfectly well what they're up to, <laughs> unless you you know were enjoyed the flattery because there'll always be some of that. Were interested in the lure, um, but they've got a fault, and Sean will tell you this: they can't. Even if they like you, even if the bit of a deal can pay off for everybody, and you think, "Oh, he's got no rational reason to do it," they can't help themselves, can they? That's narcissists. The Bastards just can't help <laughs> stooging you and sitting back somewhere in the brief moments when they're successful until they blow it all again and go back scamming away. Uh, so in a sense, I knew it, but it gave me hope from this despair of nothing will ever work and I, no matter how elaborate the scheme is, no matter how much trouble. I mean, some of these passports were golden mm. that I was on. Untouchable. Um, I'd, I'd taken special trains. Uh, I'd, I'd canvassed a whole street, a whole city street. There was not a soul in that street I didn't know their business. I followed everybody wherever they walked. I followed some guy. I thought he was suspicious. He kept going to building after building officer. He was just an old retired gent fantasizing about the days when he had officers and people that he cared about and worked. It's quite touching, actually, if you... Look into the minds of people as they travel about their business. A lot of 
sad and lonely people. I later found him at a government office collecting benefits. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I felt like going up and giving him some money or something like that. Kept me full for a minute, you old joke. <laughs> 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 um, so my friends didn't think anything unusual had happened so, because the thing was I had to notify them and the, the th it was to be done by this. I would send, um, in a golden era of faxes, uh, a fax um, with my temporary location to, not to them, of course, <laughs> don't do this, uh, but to the print shop down the road that takes faxes for people in the area who don't have a machine. I think now if you had to send such a thing, and you sometimes do, there are still things around that require them, oddly enough. Usually people who don't want to pay you money back, that's where it is. <laughs> if you ever find that somebody says, oh, you need to fax this because we're, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you'll never get your dog, forget it. <laughs> no. um, they got the fax from the print shop, but didn't believe it. I thought somehow somebody's got into the way I do things or found out or looked over my shoulder or they didn't react until they read it in the newspaper the next day from the Straits Times in Singapore. Gulp, because I was still there. Uh, that Daniel Westlake had uh, made it over the wall. And, uh, of course, then they kicked into gear, and within 24 hours I had a, a new British passport under the name of Northridge. Uh, I try and keep... <clears throat> Compass points. I've kind of run out, right. but you know, I've never heard of anybody called Nor Nor West. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Eastman was another one, and then went to the only place where I could get safety, which was in Baluchistan. But in a funny, I, when I was talking to Justin um, about the Bangkok days. I said, look, you must have transferred. He did six years there for some ecstasy. He was doing the parties. He said to me back then, look, it's uh, they're all the sons and daughters of rich people in Bangkok. They're local people. You know, I, I'm safe. You know, their fathers are generals and top police and all of that. Yeah, that sounds terribly safe to me. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't ask for more. <laughs> so we were having this conversation, sitting around as he's visiting my jailhouse offices. Uh, he, um, he he looked back on it and things that I didn't even realize were going on. He said, oh, I couldn't see David straight away. His people had to have a walk and talk for a couple of weeks before I was let into the uh, his area. I suppose it was a bit like that, but it wasn't. It was just being antisocial as I am today. You know, <laughs> who? Meet people? Are you kidding? <laughs> Met all the people I want to meet. Um, and... Um, so he, as I say, it was six years before he transferred back, and he found the time, he's from Scotland, uh, he went straight up there, but he found the time in, it was only six months or so, in a British prison, a Western prison, much harder than really? it was in Bangkok. Because we had this um, prisoner of war mentality. Now, Sean, you were in Arizona, so you're an outsider in a double way or triple way. I can think of three levels. You're an outsider there. <laughs> Probably a fourth if I did go down that path door. <laughs> um, and, you know, so you're, you're, um, 
you know, in a professional class, but that served you well because you could, you know, read their court documents for you. Got my education. Another charge. Yeah, yeah. I'll, we'll have a robust defense of that. You know, they like hope, don't they, people? Um, and, um, so Justin was saying that when we were in, in the, in the prison, we had to arrange our own food. We had to keep on the go all the time. Um, remember Empire of the Sun? I don't know. It's a book by J.G. Ballard, but it made into a good movie by Spielberg in which a very young... It's not Star Wars, is it? No. Oh, I played that. His name's got a C in it. Uh, he played Batman at one stage. Uh, Bale. Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. Yeah. yeah. When he was a kid, he played this boy who'd been um, thrown in a Japanese uh, civilian internment camp. Right. In Hong Kong. Yeah. During the war, and based on a true story, because the Ballard was at that age, but the kid grows up there from what I think eleven to fourteen or fifteen, and you can see his life you know, bouncing off in the morning. He's running to scan the tomatoes that are growing in the patch. He's trading those for some polishers, a job that he's doing for the doctor. He's doing this. Yeah. Every moment is taken, and the reward is visceral and immediate as food. Um, that is all they live for. And that's the way a lot of people felt when going back to Western prisons. Being spoon-fed, as Justin said, uh, everything given to you. Um, you've got no, con there's no demands that you do anything to cater for your life. That's why in the Scandinavian prisons, they try to replicate some sort of real world within their prisons. They have shops in there. They give you enough money. Is that lovely prison? To Greenland. Greenland have or you Norway? Seen that? Well, both of them are quite quite nice. Okay. You reckon it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. No, I'll tell you what I didn't know. We just met. The story about um, <laughs> this guy, right? He's going to, he's been arrested crossing a border he shouldn't cross. He's from uh, Romanian Bulgaria and a real hillbilly. So he doesn't know anything about what it's like, but he does know what it's like in jail in, in Romania. This is, you know, he said to me, David, in there, you go in room six, six, no talking. You want poo? You want shit? Big tin here. That is it. Food, black bread, soup, good day, Sunday, soup, yeah, all of that. So he gets <laughs> busted for, uh, you know, Patently bogus documents, I don't know, a tram ticket or something, trying to cross the border. He ends up in a Swiss prison. Mm. Carpeting, everything, luxury, shower, kettle, TV. <laughs> Breakfast slip has to fill in the card. <laughs> He's doing this, all happy. Then his hands starts to shake. No, it couldn't be. I only crossed the border. <laughs> Breakfast comes. A woman comes. You got any friends, family, visitors? No. You don't want to bring anybody else into it, you know, they're on mm. automatic. Oh, oh. She produces a folder. There's pictures of women in it. This girl can come and see you. That girl can come and see you. For what? You know, to be close to somebody from outside if you have no family. We have a special room here. He's banging what? on the door. Yeah, he's banging on the door, pleading with the prison director or governor or whatever it is. Don't kill me, don't kill me. I only cross border, I go home. He thought he the only chap. time that you get good treatment in a Romanian prison is the day before your execution. He was so good in this Swiss prison, he was convinced they were just going to shoot him at dawn. Yeah. And, uh, you know, actually, gonna, some girl's going to give me a kiss goodbye. 
mate. You know, it's, <laughs> it's definitely in it. Yeah. Oh. yeah you got to love a hillbilly, haven't you? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was different. So this adapting back from uh, from Thailand um, it was tough from all of them. I mean, it wasn't for me because I was adapted back you know, within within seconds. Um, but um, no, I think the the the, the Thai thing was. The, the more I look back on it, uh, um, I was kind of lucky, and it was very uh, unique to the times. Would it work today? Mm, depends. I, I I think everything is um, you know, everything's possible, isn't it? Well, don't you think technology would have got more advanced? Well, look at uh, what's your favourite escape? I mean, would you give it to Shorty Guzman? Papillon. <laughs> He made it up, though. But, um, yeah, I like jumping onto floating coconuts in the <laughs> middle of the uh, windswept tropics of Devil's Island. Yeah, that's, El Chapo's uh, pulled quite a few off. I mean, that one going through the body. Did you see it? Uh, um, he was bike. in the cell. Uh, the toilet floor of the shower right. has been substituted for... I mean, there's a lot of talk that this thing involved a big payoff. Why do people think that? Big payoff. It was all faked. He never went out that way. He went out, you know, dressed up like a man through the front gate and all that stuff. Yeah, they might have dug a bit of tunnel, but this was just to convince the authorities. People, now listen up. <clears throat> you can't get that level of bribery and cooperation from people. Bribery is a subtle, delicate thing. Don't think you can just go to some shithole around the world and throw your money like some arrogant Western scumbag, you know, trying to exploit these people. No. You've got to be family. And the money is not a bribe, is it? It's, I want to help. And it's Mm. never for them. If I had to get visas extended or phony documents stamped in, say, Pakistan, I'd go to the office where it is done and see somebody and shoo away as many people as possible. And uh, you want a cup of tea, they say? Your business is done. The reason is because the tea will come and then you can say, have you got a, a tea trolley fund here or something like that? A little money in there. Now this thing I need. <laughs> oh, it can't be done. It can't be done. Oh, I know. Why is that? <laughs> because the, the rule, no, I know, but why is it here today? Why can't it be done? Oh, my boss. Ah, your boss. I know your boss is a bit of a hard man. He's, I believe he likes money. Oh, he's a greedy pig. Is he? <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I know you're an honest family man. Let's take this and give it to the damn boss, huh? You take a day off. You go see the boss. And uh, I'll get out of here because I need to get you. Can you get that done? Yeah, all right. That'll be. You can't embarrass them. You're dealing with people who, um, I mean, look at the. Who are the people who are going to kill you? Those who embarrass easily. Um. The Taliban uh, embarrass easily. That's why they're running around with a gun instead of having girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they didn't like the uh, Soviet days back there. You know, I uh, I know three generations of people that would you'd call Taliban, and yet, as I've tried to explain to people, 
There isn't any Taliban except in the media division of a bunch of Doha negotiators who said, what? <laughs> oh, you remember those guys? You've got to explain yeah. why we're laughing, because <laughs> it's your stomach. <laughs> yeah, I know, I like Can the you, I used to bring of... bananas and peanut butter to address this. Mm. Mm. Yeah, bananas are good. It's slow digesting, they say. Yeah. Well, not slow enough, I guess. No, you didn't have a proper breakfast. I had cheese on toast before I come out. Mm. I had a banana. You know, Bangkok used to serve a very good donut I do in the know. morning. Yeah, <laughs> right. When every, everything was a cottage industry, there'd be um, if you didn't have a job. Uh, my Chinese connection took me on a tour once. He said that guy, these two, they roll cigarettes. They had a little piece of leather or something they could roll a cigarette. And there was a blind, oh, the beggars. There was a blind beggar in rags. He used to very carefully take his rags off after mm. work, make sure they were suitably horrible looking. <laughs> uh, and he'd, he had a kind of glazed eye, which he used to make a lot of. And he sold what, um, he repaired lighters or something. Pretty good for a blind man, eh? Um, <laughs> and, uh, I used to kind of smile at him to try and get him to smile back, you know, so he must have seen me. But he had, um, <laughs> he, people kept the distance because he had a terribly great hacking cough, probably nappy rash as well. <laughs> but, um, this used to come out and make spitting, so he didn't want to be too near him. And he got me back though, Sean. I used to take my morning run because I had to be reasonably healthy for all this gymnastics out of the uh, out of the window. Um, <laughs> I, I, I ran around past the sort of cage where he, he, he did his business. He couldn't be with the other sellers on their blankets and, and towel. Uh, and I could see him sort of standing up and and getting re ready for a spit. So I didn't think anything of it because I'm motoring past and I've got a, the Adidas on. Who are you promoting? Nike? No. Uh, and I rounded the thing and too late I saw his parched rubbery lips poking through the chicken wire fence and this hawking. You know, the sound travels at a different distance than... And light. Yeah. So I was a little bit behind it. <laughs> and this great green amoeba thing was tumbling through the air before I knew it. I swear it had eyes, this thing. <laughs> and it clung on to me like some alien creature in a science fiction oh. world. And I could feel the warmth. I had to tear my Lacoste sweatshirt off and threw it in a rubbish bin. But you can never throw anything out in that country. Mm. And about ten people fighting over it two minutes later, despite <laughs> it was walking around by itself due to this great <laughs> gorby that this had. And he was smiling at the old bastard too. <laughs> he he knew that that was it. Um Yeah. Oh yeah, Taliban, that's where we were. Now they are not a cohesive group. At all. They are local gangsters, village gangsters. Th hundreds of them. I, I, I've lost track at about estimating 800 because we're talking 25 different dialects, different languages, different zones. People are the Pashtu and the Dari speakers who are like Persian. Um, uh, now, I went there in 79. Uh, and with Sayed, he was living in Bangkok, and we went over to organize some hash. Went to a village, 
took my old tie contact there, Lee, um, met somebody who was, uh, you know, he'd never been there uh, to this village. Part of the family went one way uh, to Bangladesh, another somewhere else, um, and he ended up sort of in the middle in Thailand. Uh, spoke about six languages, like a, an English, like a taxi driver from everywhere. But and and when the old man saw Lee, you know, he, he burst into tears because he just didn't think that whole section of the family were uh, alive anymore. Um, so you know, I made arrangements there and did the usual thing to um, had the the well dug another couple of hundred meters down with a new pump. My brother used to say, "Oh, well, that's your conscience at work, you know, <laughs> exploiting these people." exploiting these people they were exploiting me and happily so um, I never did get my hash in there no no distracted I was by something more <laughs> lucrative um, and now uh, Sayed was uh, a young guy then he just had uh, no he wasn't even married he'd just been married he was running around in that area and I saw him again um, and you know the story when I was back in Afghanistan trying to find the nephew of um, my protector there, uh, Lord Mirjon Magsi of the Magsi clan in Baluchistan. His cousin had gone missing, uh, no, nephew, um, crossed the border in Afghanistan. And I met Syed because he was still a scallywag, right. the old one, and that was in Jalalabad. And he and his friend were all wearing this black stuff. And I didn't really pay much attention to the news, but I knew the Taliban, I'd only been there before when the Russians were being chased out by people we tooled up, the Mujahideen, and they'd kind of split into various groups. Um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name, uh, Masood, the old uh, Mujahideen leader, Panshir Valley man, uh, salt of the earth, bit of a lunatic if you're on the wrong side of him, but... <laughs> Stylish, you know, he had that kind of natural style of a Gaddafi, if I can put it that way. <laughs> he had Italian's Gaddafi, didn't he, doing all his design stuff. That's some organic clothing for you. There you go. Berber natural. <laughs> um, and I went and saw Sayed in Jalalabad, and I was making all the usual feeble jokes, you know. I said, remember that time we went to that village and... You know, the, there was the girl wearing the full, you know, Ninja Turtle outfit. And uh, I, I said to the old man uh, who knew a bit of English, I said, well, at least you can marry off the ugly ones, huh? <laughs> it was like an oil painting. Nobody laughed. It was, uh, it was absolute still <laughs> silence. Tupperweed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, the, uh, uh, we went off ahead and there was tightening of <laughs> gun stocks and grips with my guys and everything like that. We sort of backed out of there. I said, how to go back in the village? <laughs> oh, well, they smashed the cup you drank out of. <laughs> okay. Burnt the chair you sat in. What? Burnt it? Was a nice chair. Mm-hmm. Burnt nonetheless. And uh, when I left, an old woman was wiping away your footprints <laughs> with an old stick. <laughs> so Brilliant. we're going to do business somewhere else now. Are we? Yeah. 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 Now, he was, when I met him again, um, we went in for some really horrible soup someplace, you know, and the oil's floating across it. And he's nice. supposed to dip the egg in it. Well, which is the egg? It all looks like egg. You know? mm. Um, 
He said, David, no, we, we can't make jokes like the old days. I said, but you're still you. Yeah, but uh, and who's that one? Oh, he's from a gang down in, uh, um, um, where's it, Kandahar. And those boys have got this. It was like listening to a mobster's parade. I lost track of, you know, a few hundred of these different groups. So what? Well, where's the Taliban? Oh, no, 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 you, you you Westerners call it that. No, no, we're just a bunch of people and we're all crooks. And well, we're about this cutting hands off. Oh, he just likes to do that. He's always been, he grew up as a kid doing that. <laughs> uh, you know, the the idea that there's a cohesive knit to it. Well, um, sadly, through a bit of a misunderstanding and I was out of the room at the time. Sayed ended up getting himself killed, but his son um, I spoke to not so long ago when when they when they're coming in. He says that um, they they didn't um, the Afghani army didn't melt away for a start. They they knew they didn't have any reserves of uh, ammunition. Um, secondly, uh, most of them were. A third of that army couldn't read or write. They were all from villages somewhere else. They weren't going to fight with somebody. And they knew these guys as the local big boys on the block. And they still right. had this psychological intimidation from their village life. Oh, him, you don't want to mess with him. And so they made a deal, the Taliban, we'll call them Talibat, because there's always a but with these people. Uh, they kind of made arrangements with them all. Say, look, you, you want to fight for a bit of nothing or what? No, no, not me. All right. Well, we'll pay you for, uh, show us where the, how to fix the tank or the thing or get treads for the off track and all that, half track. Um, so it, it was by consent. <clears throat> no. The, the reason that the, the, it's going to be a mess is because the media division, uh, are clashing with uh, the ones who are actually on the ground. And on the ground, there's many, 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 many. You know the ones who are running around in uh, dodging cars? I don't know yeah. if you saw that video. Uh, Toyotas, wasn't it? Uh, Taliban uh, loves Toyotas. Oh, They're all it? in, like, new Toyota trucks and stuff. Mm. You've seen that on YouTube? No, I haven't seen it's that like one. convoys of them in brand-new Toyotas. Um, I've seen them parading the uh, abandoned vehicles and all of that. But oddly enough, one clip with not ISIS. It's ISIS loves Toyotas. <laughs> oh right, yeah, I've got it wrong. That's it. It's on YouTube. Yeah. So Taliban are Toyota people. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Um, <clears throat> the 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 view on the ground. A lot of promises were made to a lot of the people, and they're getting a bit grumbly because um, the section that deals with or think they deal with the Westerners. Um, are trying to um, shake out the the bankers amongst them. You know how stupid they are. One of them, mm. uh, the, my friend tells me, went into the uh, um, Afghan Central Bank and uh, started walking around the place saying, "Where the money at?" You know, like, uh, no, I can't draw that comparison, but <laughs> you, you know what I mean. Somebody gleefully arriving in a place of ill repute, saying, "Where the money?" Uh, but there was no money there, of course, because. Um, that's not the way it worked. The Americans used to fly dollars in. They didn't, they used Afghanis, but they were very dependent on having these dollars there to, um, back them up. And they were 
printed somewhere else, of course, by Delarue, I think. They uh, they need the contract now. They lost the passport one for Thales. <clears throat> That's another show about them. <coughs> <laughs> um, so where's it all heading? I asked him. Uh, he said, oh, well, I don't think those promises are going to come to anything. We'll just um, tax everybody, you know. Um, now, the previous government was terribly corrupt, too. You couldn't... Uh, if you want to um, get a taste for it, we'll take a road trip along the main highway from Kabul to Kandahar. It's supposed to be you know, monumentally and ceremoniously opened uh, by all the Western agencies and forces that were in play there about 10 years ago. <laughs> Hugely expensive, um, bit of highway oh it's about three millimeters thick <laughs> it can be brushed away like morning frost on the uh, windscreen of a jeep um just it'll be gone with the wind soon so everything that wasn't nailed down gets resold and you, you know the army was mostly ghosts anyway and uh, that they'd uh, written in all these people that didn't exist just to mm. collect their wages for them. Wow. So what what was it you were going to say about <coughs> bribery in... Oh, Was bribery. it in the Thai prison? Okay, uh, yeah. Bribery really depends on your location, and you need to absorb the local culture to um, get an understanding of where you're going for that. It is... We, in, in our world, can be very frank with each other with um, paying for something. You know, I'll take that watch in the shop and I'll give you this money for it. Um, but imagine you're in a land where you know it's a watch shop, but you can't see any watches. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, and you walk in there and ask for a watch and they say, no, we don't know anything about watches. Nervous, oh no. I really need to get one. Well, I might know somebody. Uh, <clears throat> now, the reason I kind of was... Uh, with the, with the ties, it was they're very impressed by luck. Um, <clears throat> we are all rich in the West, not because we've worked at it or sit around devoting time to it, because we're lucky. Thailand's the center of the universe, the way I suppose Tokyo is the center of that universe, and uh, maybe uh, I wouldn't say Beijing, but I think there's some place even older within China that must be this. Every, so any misfortune that happens in Thailand, is, we've just been unlucky. Now, all the prisoners in the jail, they're unlucky or they wouldn't be here. It's nothing to do what they did or didn't do. It's just whether they're lucky or not. <clears throat> Amongst the white trash, that is the, the Western prisoners, um, there are some that are not, and they must be lucky. And often we see them actually go from here or stay here and, and live quite well, unless they turn into white trash. So <laughs> <clears throat> if you're going to do something to help them, they, they want something from outside or um, want to take over a room, I had to rent uh, a room of my own, then um, they don't see it that they're getting money for it, that... Yeah, they're used to living like that. Yeah, that can be done. But uh, it doesn't look any good. Well, I'll have to fix it all up. And uh, my boss, everything I do here. But when they get, when the guards get a job there, they get allocated a section. 
and they have to extract a certain amount of income out of that, that section, no matter what. Uh, the poorer producing factories, um, there are some contracts for things they do in there and make that go to official prison staff, but there's an awful lot that's not official. So um, I, I went into the art factory because the, the value of the goods was quite high, but it was all done privately. So I wouldn't have a stress boss. It's hard to tell he was blind drunk most of the time, so mm. not entirely stressed anyway. But um, And we had a perfectly good working relationship for all that time, despite never exchanging any real words, just a few smiles. And my head butler would go and do any real talking that had to be done. <clears throat> um not that I didn't know a few words in Thai, but the point is, Head Butler was the only one that was willing to shake him awake. Um, a little jet was only about four foot six or something like that. But he was the tyrant as the Head Butler, you know, the, the cooks and the sweepers and the people who fetched the ice in the morning and the water bearers. All this ever-increasing family I didn't know was springing up around me. Uh, even, uh, who the hell is that kid? He's coming here every day. He doesn't seem to do anything. <laughs> oh, he, um, he said, uh, what's that word? He said, he's a chimney sweep. There's no chimneys in here. <laughs> yeah, but we're ready if there ever is any. We've got our man. <laughs> he really sold him, but he felt sorry for him because he didn't know who he was, this kid. Um, he really didn't. He'd been in there five years. Nobody knew what language um, was his first. He looked Iranian. Mm. At a guess, we thought, hairy enough for one, pale enough for one. <laughs> His uncle had taken him somewhere to uh, the Gulf States when he was very little, and he'd ended up in Thailand. And he remembers he spoke to the um, nursemaids and then the cleaners as he got older and ended up on the streets. And the Thai police had arrested him. Don't know for what, don't know for why. Nobody found out. He didn't, to make an inquiry in that kind of place, you've got to have at least a little money in your hand, don't you? Mm. What am I here for? Who are you asking? You're asking the front layer of protection, the trustee who's the barrier between you and being annoyed by people. Um, so you have to give him something to talk to the guy who will actually find out what your name is. Uh, you couldn't walk out the front because um, the name written on there was um, like something that meant Persian hairy man. It wasn't even his real name. Um, a lot of them were in there just for uh, from the sweep up from the streets, pretty much. Not as bad as Pakistan, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's on another level. <laughs> uh, um, so the if uh, when I I found it would be quite good <clears throat> to be regular and give a little more. If something was ten percent, my own personal guard. Was, 15%, uh, I'd go to his head butler. <laughs> uh, some of those trustees were nauseating too. You could see, you could even, even somebody who knew nothing about anything could walk in there and see where not to be. There, there were some people that, who guards were lying out on a sort of stretching recliner with a trustee on each leg massaging away. But the look on the trustee's face, that was a killer. Well, it was like rapture. Religious. Ah, <laughs> oh, my master lets me massage his leg. What bliss. What more heaven. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I said, well, yeah. I said, this was pretty, let's kill him. Let's kill him. Time <laughs> that for the trailer, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it really annoys me when I get um, commenters on uh, my own channel or somewhere else, some other place, saying, oh, I bet you just, you didn't do all that. You just bought your way out. What? By my way through eight tiers, eight levels of guards who are somehow Possibly. supposed to trust each other and then find a fall guy, because that's what Justin was telling me, that um, he stepped in a bit to protect my people who had been cast aside and um, worked out with the building chief who to blame. So it was a you know quite a story. Apparently, a whole lot of prisoners that had been released were part of it, and mostly uh, foreigners. Oh, old English Nick, if you got arrested again shortly after that, it's all my fault. <laughs> but then again, you did take two credit cards from me, and I've never heard anything about those <laughs> except on the monthly bills. I think <laughs> he sold a bit of weed down that way in Patia and uh, had a Thai wife who. Helped him get out. You know, I bet she uh, helped him get in. <laughs> Milk the husband. It happened to myself. <laughs> Not very generous with the allowance. Get him nicked. <laughs> oh, my husband, I can get you out. I might have to sleep with that person. <laughs> yeah, sleep, sleep. <laughs> oh, but... I'll sleep with the fucking policeman. Get me out of here. <laughs> I always thought that was a ridiculous thing about um, Indecent Proposal. Remember that movie? Yeah. With a young couple who are in Vegas. You know, um, he's losing. I don't know why they're, they're trying to get money for something. It was a bit of a spin on Casablanca, the, the premise. Mm. And uh, he's all knotted up because she's asking the question, he's going to pay me for a million dollars for one night. And he, Richard oh, Gere, wasn't it? No, it was no? Woody Harrelson in the version. Oh, was it? Okay. I saw. I thought, I thought to myself, if I was the husband, I'd be saying, well, sweetheart, if he doesn't want you... He can fuck me for one night for a million dollars. Two million for a threesome. <laughs> I, it was really, yeah, uh, ridiculously took. Yeah. Yeah. You can have it for a week for a million and a half. What happened? Was did, you, did you go through it in the end? What happened? Who's that? Movie. Oh, in the movie. Um, um, no, it makes you think, of course, that it, it happened. She's that way. gearing yeah. up for it, but, but something she happened. Doesn't do something she doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and he lets her off the hook. Do they walk away with the money? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to think I sat through an hour and a half of nonsense. Please let us know in the comments what happened in Indecent Proposal. Please correct us. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. So, um, but if you go to other places in the world, bribery is a different thing altogether. Right. Like in Wandsworth, there was a, um, a night duty officer. And they're a separate bunch, by the way. They're not. You know, decent, <laughs> dishonest officers. They're decent night officers who haven't got any response. He will deliver an envelope under your door, whatever you can pack in. It's like the post office, maximum thickness, five millimeters. So squash it down. Um, limited because of that. Uh, to, um, but the dealers all used him because they got the spice in. And you know, they got the spice in because it doesn't test up properly because the chemicals, 
either react with everything or don't react with anything. Um, I just interviewed Lee Davies, four-hour interview on the True Crime podcast. Mm. He was getting paid. He was a guard. He was getting paid £500 per package he brought in. Oh, I it's saw good. that. It was a good interview. And we've got part two coming yeah. up. Look yeah. out for that on coming up soon, yeah. I suppose he said that the usual package contained tiny little uh, mobile phones, those thumb ones, yeah. you know, butt-sized. <laughs> <laughs> butt-sized. <laughs> uh, they've got very tiny buttons on them. Oh, they? I thought you said butt-sized. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, right, you yeah. did. But yeah, yeah. incidentally, they also have very Tiny hard little. to see buttons to press the number out. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they make them just for that. They're not made because they're novelty phones of the small. They had designed torpedoes to go up the um, in the, the sandbox there. Keystring. <laughs> uh, mm. uh, and there would be some... Uh, there'd be light and dark in there, but not much light. Uh, cocaine would is not a big thing. It just it wouldn't. <laughs> it doesn't really make prison, does it? It doesn't, never makes prison. It's mm. like um, I don't know, throwing a, a potted plant out of a, a multi-story building and wondering what actually hits the ground yeah. after it bounces off the wall two and ten times. <laughs> Nothing but a bit of dust. <laughs> um, it would have been whoever got it in would have taxed it. And then I saw somebody very enthusiastically taking an old, um, um, one of the inhalers that asthmatics have and manufacturing a quick crack pipe out of it. Uh, and I said, uh, I'll call him Warren. Warren, you don't seriously think you're going to get anything out of this. Well, uh, I, and really, you know, Bubbling over with enthusiasm before utter, utter disappointment took, followed. So there's not a lot of that in it, but there's, um, uh, always a bit of heroin in there, usually pretty low quality. Well, it certainly ends up that way. Um, but if what he got 500 per parcel, he said he, his starting salary was 18,000 pounds. Mm. And then, they had came at him with a sob story about his uh, prisoner's dad. I think was in hospital, and I, can't, I need a phone to speak to him. Five hundred quid if you bring it in for me. All right. And that was the cover story, and then that's how it began. Oh, he did it for altruistic purposes. Of course, mm. it's always for somebody's yeah. help. Like and then they earlier. headed over him, no doubt, <laughs> did they? They what? They headed over him after that. Oh, once it started, there was no stopping it. And then the oh, rival right. gang found out later on. Oh, right. So then he's bringing it in for Liverpool, bringing it in for Manchester, and on and on it goes. How did he get uh, busted? The prisoners started to treat him differently, and the staff started to notice. Yeah. Oh, they're all nice and Because yeah. it's us versus them usually, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's their guy. So the staff started to yeah, notice. You know who the best person to get to in a prison is? The one you can really trust to keep his mouth shut uh, and do a quite dirty job. Not, not. I don't mean just bring some bit of weed in or something, but something more. You know, I want the fucking keys to the kingdom here. Um, will be the hard ass in the place. The the long term guy. I remember twice it's happened to me. The most um, notorious rat. Prison, uh, prison officer in the place who would trash your place, confiscate you for anything, nick you for, you know, uh, I don't know, three extra sheets of paper you might have or whatever. <laughs> um, and yet, um, nine times out of ten, there's some, 
okay, some of them just plain assholes and that's it. But uh, a lot of them actually, it's a smokescreen. It's kind of, I'm experienced enough and wise enough with prisoners to know that 99% of you are scum and I'm not putting my life and career on the line for just some rat. But once you, if you, if you're cultivating them in a way, um, you, by various means, um, show them the story that you can really keep a secret. I, I was at one once where, uh, uh, I don't know what would you call my official role, <laughs> thief in chief. <laughs> <laughs> I was in charge of the ordering the supplies for the outside cafe, and uh, and when I got the job, the governor threw me the keys to the place. They said, don't let any of those bastards at the cash till. Uh, well, I don't think prisoners come here to eat anyway. Do they? <laughs> no. uh, he said, I don't mean them. I mean the people, the other officers. Don't believe anything they said and don't give them credit. So, you know, they got along well. I was allowed to run around at night and I was robbing the kitchen stores from the main supply store a place, but the head chef in the kitchen who had a long list of stuff I could get in town, you know, like black olives, calamata he liked and some other things. Um, and the water wasn't working in, in my suite I've ever shown you the picture of that cell. <laughs> it had a ensuite bathroom in it and uh, drapes and water. Could you email us that picture to put uh, on the screen? Mm, I will. I will. It's it, it. I did it as a kind of panorama too. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, anything worth taking, uh, I used to get the head um, cook to say that they were short, so it would be ordered in. So none of the food for my cafe actually came out of the cash that went in the till. It all came from the, the prison store. So I had a key made of that. Um, and I'd taken, so I kind of knew what the things looked like. I was taking a shower, and as is my custom, I take them in the dark, especially in prisons. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I saw, I'd finished off and was drying, and I saw a hand push a big load of supplies in under the, the bench where the towels used to hang. Hello. I know those A10 tins. <laughs> Peas by the look of it. Uh, and um, so I put on my dressing gown and, and trotted over there. And there was a second big bag coming in. And it was a uniformed arm pushing them under there. Uh, hello, Mr. Smith. Surprised to see you out this late. Oh, scared the life out of me. <laughs> I thought it was one of those bastards. <laughs> who do you mean? My other officers. Who do you think? I said, oh, you've been a bit of late night shopping, some bargains to be had. <laughs> do you need a hand with that or you'll be right carrying it? Well, we were friends after that. You know? mm. I mean, we were pretty friendly anyway. But he yeah, had a family to um, feed. But it can make for some uncomfortable things i used to get daily from this prison so when i'd come back on sunday nights if he was on duty and he was a senior level up um he thought i knew he was on i didn't, I didn't care whether he was on or not i mean everything i used to bury in the garden anyway that uh oh it's uh, so many ways to get things in in that place people used to leave that open prison at night go and do robberies of late night betting shops and come back in <laughs> they had an alibi inside at least <laughs> so um old mr smith used to break a leg getting out of his desk to get over to check my bag like 
Maybe you could have told me you're coming back. I'm not even looking. There's nothing in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Oh, of course, it's not. <laughs> so um, there was no bribery necessary in that. But where, um, if you're after something where you re- you really can't reach a hurdle, where you need some something left open or for to get away, you won't be able to trust anybody except the bastard, mm-hmm. and he's the one you ask because if he says no. It's always possible. Uh, he won't rat you out mm. because nobody will believe that a prisoner came to him and asked him <laughs> to do something. That's one. So he'll just keep an eye on you. But I'll bet you in six months he'll be back and say, and uh, what was I supposed to get if I did all of that? <laughs> That's where you play the music and the credits and the curtains <laughs> close because you're out of there. <laughs> um, and it, it it varies place to place. Uh, Pakistan's the most subtle bit of card playing I've ever had because all across the Indian subcontinent, you um, are you are the golden goose. You are the one who provides the money. If it's something to do with your freedom, why would you let the golden goose go? You don't do that. You hand him to somebody else who can have another turn with the golden goose and you sell the golden goose to somebody. It is so difficult to arrange uh, everything. You have to... So many times, Sean, people have come in, Europeans, and I'd say, look, pull up a seat. I can order from the Hyatt if you want. You can have the Marriott if you don't like their pastries. Just relax. You're not going anywhere. Everybody gets bail after two years. That's the law. No case ever finishes. You'll see lawyers, <laughs> judges, everybody in here. And why do they have ABC class officially? Because they've got to live somewhere mm. and they've got to pay their fees. So relax and just watch for a while. And and you do. And it was a, um, really a struggle I found it. I mean, and this was a few years after Bangkok. Bangkok was very systemized. It cost this for that, that for that. There, it was, imagine going to a rug salesman's convention in Tehran or something like that. Who who, who could you trust uh, even to ask the question? Um, what were those old diamond dealers used to throw a handkerchief over their hand? Um, they were the uh, Hasidic Jews in New York. Mm. They'd meet um, when they're trading in diamonds, and they'd be shaking hands, but the handshake would be a very long one because uh, a white handkerchief would go over the top. And as they're talking, what, so you're asking uh, 35 for those, tap, tap, tap. And that would mean that's that's not 35, that's 30. Oh, yeah, it couldn't be any more, tap, tap, 20. So an entire conversation would go on the surface, and coded hand signals would take place under the handkerchief as to watch what the actual deal was. So the competition, their brother, their mother, anybody who was around would think one thing. It's quite hard to do that. You've got to train yourself to let the talking part tell a lot of cobblers and the body part make movements for something else. Though I don't know why I say that because we do it (laughs) every day of our lives. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So... Uh, where are we going with this? We're on corruption, uh, bribery. Um, yes. We've uh, got about 15 minutes left. Um, I'll tell you what I did want to bring up because it's, 
I know that we record one day and 12 years pass and then uh, um, the bribery story is is really like a class. So we can return to that from time to time. Yeah, we've only got 15 minutes That's left. That's true. Yeah. But um, poor uh, Sarah Everard was uh, that her killer will be sentenced today or tomorrow. Mm. But it's tomorrow, Friday, isn't it? Friday, yeah. Big sentences on a Friday. You can do two things in a court on Friday, go home or do the lot. Mm. <laughs> and as they used to Australia, a hamburger with a lot, that's a life sentence. What do you think <laughs> is going to happen to Wayne? What's, uh, what, do you want to tell the viewers what yeah, this case okay. is? Who the, who? Um, Sarah Everhard, um, a young marketing executive, was walking along a street in Clapham, I think it was, um, to see her friend. Uh, she was stopped by a plainclothes police officer who showed a warrant card and then arrested her for um, breaking curfew, not curfew, um, the lockdown quarantine rules, uh, and slapped the old bracelets on yet, put handcuffs on her. People passing by didn't think it was that, of course. They thought it was some undercover operation. But because he'd shown the warrant card and talked the talk, was he really a policeman? He was indeed a policeman. He was, he'd clocked off from working at the American Embassy earlier in the afternoon where he's on, uh, what do they call it? Uh, consular protection staff or something like that. I have seen them. Diplomatic. We, we, we protested outside of that, yeah, once. Did you? Yeah, with Miriam Margulies. Oh, what'd she get banged up for? <laughs> <laughs> she was banged up, actually. She oh, said the strip search was like Christmas. Always <laughs> 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 oh, with a line, I'm sure. She'd be, yeah. she'd be great. We yeah. were actually protesting for um, the Making a Murder guys, mm. Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey that day. Oh, right. Yeah, mm. yeah complex case. Mm. Well, anyway, uh, Sarah was um, taken to a, a rental car, driven some distance, um, then put into his personal car. And remember, he's a policeman, so he's kind of aware of what could be picked up and not. I presume the rented car was to some not easily traceable uh, mm. rentee. <clears throat> um, drove her to um, some bit of property that uh, he owned out down in Kent, uh, r- raped her, strangled her, and burnt her body in an old refrigerator. Various things uh, made the police turn up there within a week or so just to ask him. I don't know. um, You'd have to look up the case to know what tipped them in the first place. I think it was something about the CCTV, but I believe it was the renter car that um, was the main thing. He said no, don't know anything about her. Then he told a bunch of lies about being... He was had his life threatened by some criminal gang, and uh, if he didn't come, we'd kidnap some girl off the street. Uh, the old white slavery story. I mean, mm. I heard it once and heard it a million times. <laughs> Actually, it was quite novel in a way. Um, but uh, I think I blame that down to Taken and Taken to those mm, movies. Great films. Uh, white slavery. You can't, you can't even get regular slavery. Never mind. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You must tell you about Ted Eastwood once. He kidnapped a busload of children. And he got caught because he was down at McDonald's ordering uh, uh, like, uh, two, uh, 20 kiddies meals and he had to come back because he got the wrong flavoured milkshake. Yeah. And then these kids <laughs> had him bust around. The school teacher kicked the door up. Anyway, so, um, so 
Sarah's dead. Now, this psycho is is a policeman um, who was um, was allowed to carry firearms. And here is the the real issue. These CCTV images have been pieced together in the sequence of her going out, her in a shop buying a bottle of wine, him driving past in his car, taken from very slight images sometimes, a passing bus or a a shop. Okay, you expect that, a shop security camera. But um, I saw in an interview last night that the interviewer asked a quite pertinent question to um, nobody actually from the police directly were willing to stand up on this one, but he was an old detective who'd been part of the police association. So what is a, a woman out alone who gets stopped by a police officer in plain clothes at night who shows a card, a warrant card, which is his ID, um, should she cooperate and go with him? allow herself to be handcuffed? Which would be pretty unusual for a lockdown bridge, wouldn't it? Um, and he was stuck there. The policeman said, Oh, no, yes, he... I would advise people to cooperate. But she did and she's dead. Yes, but hey, that's a very rare event. But it happened. Mm. Okay, but he was a psycho. We missed the warning signs. He somehow slipped through the net. What net? I mean, they're so desperate for people to work. You'd have to be... Look, people join the police force for a steady job, sure, but it's also a job which you could get, you know, spat at, annoyed, betrayed by your superiors. Well, that couldn't be anywhere. Um, <laughs> lots of unpleasant things about it, mostly the boredom, I would think, of sitting around a lot. Um, so it's going to attract um, uniform freaks, you know, people who like to be play out their fantasy of what police life is like and be able to do it or or loners who somehow can't make friends with anybody join an organization like the army or that and sadly still find they can't make any friends um how would they be detected but really um don't you think that questioner was right yeah. How is, uh, uh, particularly a woman? I think in her so marriage. It's funny. I would have done exactly the same. Well, you, you yeah. would have gone along with it. 100%. Yeah. Really? If I'd seen it, Probably would have I would have stuck gone, my nose. Might, I would have risked know, a nicking rather than let, see that go on. Mm. If he said, you know, bugger off, this is a drug case, I thought, well, yeah, you do what you like at those. <laughs> but if he said he was trying to, you know, putting the manacles on her over a lockdown bridge, and they all nick me too because I'm out. Uh, you're, but you're, that's where your experience comes into play, isn't station it? Station sergeant will have a good <laughs> laugh over this one when we get in there. I can't wait. The beating up and nicking grannies in Australia. Uh, as a hobby or? <laughs> For lockdown breaches. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and this is two women enjoying a coffee who got arrested. Yeah. But that just true. Yeah, mm. they did. But that's usually in the countryside, isn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> All of the, I mean, you don't get London police getting tangled up and stuff in a hurry. So what's going to happen to this psycho cop? Well, no. Um, viewers will have already known the argument in court today is mostly um, his lawyers trying to get him uh, a life sentence. He accepts that, but he doesn't want. He doesn't think he should be given an all of life sentence. There is such a thing where um, a person gets sentenced to <clears throat> all his or her life. But really, 
Um, I must say I've never seen it actually happen where somebody dies in the prison. It does, but not often. Dennis Nielsen, he was an ex-cop. Mm. How long did he get? All life, but he yeah. had lots of bodies. Mm. Oh, right. Into the floorboards. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in a way, it's true. Anybody can be a, a lunatic like that. And he did... Uh, uh, do you think he looks like a lunatic? Dennis Nielsen. No, Wayne oh, Cousins. Wayne. I've not seen oh. what he looks like. Yes, psychopath. Uh, yeah. Um, if I hadn't switched my phone off, I could show you. I, I, I've kind of listed a whole lot of psychos. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with me. Uh, psychos in there to try and you know Jay, do a story. If you go it. in my bag, the, there's a paper. Because the media was shocked when Dennis Nielsen got arrested. Yeah. Because when they actually saw him for the first time and he showed his face... Mm. He just looked like someone you'd pass on the street and not think anything about, like a librarian. He was working at the job centre after the police, actually. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, is that him? Mm-hmm. Okay, what's your pronouncement there? What's... Your, your pronouncement. Would you say... Uh, Let's have a look at him Peyton more. Psychopath? Mm. Or, well, I know what he looks like. Well, I think... It, um, are you able to put, I know you don't want to there, but... Just that uh, smile. Are able to put a little image <laughs> in the back there? It's, it's the eyes. We know it's the eyes. And this about. is her, is it? Yes. That is so sad. It is. Oh, yeah, it's more than sad. And uh, her hell. family have said, and I'd go along with that, uh, naturally enough, that their torment is knowing that her last hours were horrible, mm. terrifying, and spent in the company of this complete scumbag. Um, he bashed his head against the wall a couple of times while in custody, but not hard enough. Mm. Must keep, must do better. <laughs> he, uh, um, he'll end up going to, I'd say, Monster Mansion. Little Hay. Little uh, Hay. I think Wakefield is Monster Mansion. Um, You've been told off for calling it that. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> thing <Hi> Sarah is. <laughs> Well, what do you want, really? <laughs> um, you think you're better than them? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> but there are no standards. Really, uh, There's no standards. <laughs> I, uh, even amongst the, the murderers, there are... Uh, oh, incidentally, I should say that your murderer is a very good... Um, I wouldn't say cellmate, because they always have their own. But... Um, person to spend time with in jail very easy to live with a murderer yeah I yeah a lot six of, them. of them around there's a, there's, a, there's a spectrum of murderers but oh yeah some of them are very well behaved crime and passion ones i, I found were the most well behaved the nicest yeah, yeah. They, they have, uh, <laughs> why because you think they have some guilt that's residual they had there. a whole normal life before they weren't criminals they had a family they had a business come home wife's in bed with the mexican pool cleaner <laughs> and get, grabs yeah. his gun shoots both of them dead Mm. Mm. Did actually hear stories it's like that? It's defensible in France. Is what you used to is do. it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it certainly. So, who is your down. favorite serial killer? Am oh, I? favorite serial killer? I I don't know. <laughs> 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 no, I've I'm, I'm got a long. We're going to have to wrap it up here, David, because yeah. we've run out of time. Mm. But you know, we've okay. we've sent a lot of people over to Lad Bible. Um, what was the experience like with Lad Bible then? And if you've not seen David's Lad Bible yet, we urge you to Google it and find it on YouTube. His Lad Bible. Two, well, there's two parts there is. Having been perhaps slightly hastily critical of them earlier in the show. Well, we'll delete um, that. And okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's all right. You can leave the second part. Don't get curious. 
Um, it was actually, it was genuinely good. And I say that with this genuine look on my face. But, but um, it's like a little cozy, very young team in there at, uh, what is it, a relay house or someplace you can't get to in a cross town. Um, food's bad, though. <laughs> there isn't any. I think it was really during the middle of some period of time when nappy rash was everywhere, we couldn't get food in. Um, <laughs> they, um, they had a couple of it's a very glassy building, so every time a, um, a siren went past, and there seemed to be a lot of them at this period of which I'm talking, um, they just stopped recording and then going on. But um, liked everybody. Uh, they were young. But I must admit, I was at fault for, you know, when you, I think it's always best to have in an audience, um, maybe a bunch of kids or something that, uh, you have to kind of explain things or, or a bunch of, Einstein said, if you can't explain some concept to your grandmother, you don't understand it properly. But he was talking about science, but maybe I felt like I was at some dinner party where I could talk really just myself to people I already knew for a long time. So um, it was, uh, rather than an interview, it was just me rabbiting on, which I do here. Rabbiting on? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it was kind of good. I think they're a bit selective, though, I can say now. Oh, yeah. We the only game. send them the best. <laughs> Twelve no, they, they times were... he's been on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I think, um, I hope that this one makes up for number 11, which was... Uh, I wasn't He's a perfectionist too? No, I, I didn't <laughs> have my breakfast entirely <laughs> that day and the snack on the, on the motorway. So we urge you to watch that. Well, I'll put it in the description box, the Lad Bible, uh, part one. I urge you to check out David's other stuff on his channel and subscribe to his channel. Help him grow. If you want to watch episodes one to 11, link will be down there for the slew of them in the description box. As will a link for the organic cotton escape ladders. Really? Handy if you are in <laughs> Thai prison. Lightweight. Oh. Won't rip the skin off your fingers as you slide down. Is that thing you brought in earlier? Was that so, something organically yes, made? Ooh, uh, look at these. I think I'm so doing something of a gift. I'm easily bought. Premium organic wow. hoodie for you. Let me try Premium size. organic hoodies. That's one's yours. I love that colour. Put them on a model. We should put these on, shouldn't we? Uh, I, I guess so, yeah. yeah. The colour is faded um, denim. Yeah, the Yiddish so, comes out, man. Feel the fabric, huh? Oh, it's so soft, isn't it? It is. In fact, on, I, get I must on. say... I just want to rub this against my hand. <laughs> I like this kind of thing. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah. Now I'm going to wear it over this uh, sailor's woolen jumper in case the Titanic goes down. <laughs> but, um, uh -huh. Do you need a hand? No. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Getting out of it. <laughs> oh, hang on. Where's the head? Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> Look at that. Mm. Smart. Um, I could get up to all kinds wearing yeah. this. Well, I, I think um, <laughs> as a as a pair, Did one of those scooters. Well, wasn't there some kids show on television where the, they had a couple of turnips made up to uh, 
but not necessarily in there blue. There you go. That'll keep you warm this winter. Wow, that will. <laughs> and I can do all my shopping in this back pouch here. <laughs> <laughs> and, where, and where can people obtain <laughs> these, the I, They can maintain them on the website, Which? organiccottonclothing.co.uk. No, link actually, in the like description that, right? box for oh, this yours. video. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll treasure it. No, really, I was a bit dismissive when you said hoodie, but this is I noticed you were wearing one in your last one. You had a hoodie on. Oh, I had a Gap one on. Yeah, we don't want to advertise that. Yeah. <laughs> so please let us know in the comments yeah, what you thought about this video cool. huge thank you to John James coming out filming mm-hmm. and sound engineering today huge thank you to Jen please support her company links are down there and the trailer's coming up shortly and most of all huge thank you to David for coming no, no out need to thank me Sean <laughs> it's a warm place out of the wind and uh, if you're bored enough you can watch my channel but you have to be pretty desperate, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for Jen's trailer. Thanks for watching. Toodaloo. Bye, everyone. <laughs>